Hey associates, so this episode is a recording from lecture and class on Friday, April 15th. We went through a lot of examples and so what I did was pause the recording while the example was playing but then I did try to like speak again out loud um, when I unpaused to give you listening kind of some of that context um, and like read the examples and discussions that we talked about in class. Um, So hopefully you can kind of hear it all all right, Um, but you can grab the actual videos if you'd like to see the visuals and the examples from the slide deck in Canvas. All right, let's go back in time. Let's get to it. Hi, happy Friday. Yes, we made it. I'm feeling stoked. I came into my office and had a gift of peeps on my desk for helping with like a video thing. And so that's just always very nice. It's like, ah, peeps are my favorite. And so I have eaten half a pack of marshmallow peeps already before 10 a.m. So I'm feeling real, real ready to go. Yes, I hope you all are well. Uh, Okay, so a few things. Today we are gonna focus on a lot of examples discussion, um, but a lot of these examples do certainly tie into our conversation on ethics and leadership. Um, But really my goal for today all right, it's similar to what we did with the Parks and Rec. Just think back, get in your PR mindset, think about all the techniques we've talked about and learned and you've tried and tested with your own clients. Um, and we'll just kind of talk through some examples. I have also added all of these examples into a practice activity and assignment that you are absolutely welcomed, encouraged to complete. Because uh, with PR, right, there's no one right answer. It's keep coming up with more and more ideas, answers, pitches, angles, and so you can certainly go back um, and redo kind of our class activity for yourself on your own um, in that practice portal. And of course, I will respond um, to what you submit. Yes, that's the goal. All right, first though, I continued thinking about the example we went over on Wednesday about you know the code of conduct, ethics, uh, in this example about you know representing the ski manufacturer, giving them this really expensive pair of skis with the like low key, hey here's an expensive gift so you'll like write something nice about us, which is unethical and real shady PR. And the reason people sometimes don't trust PR because they think we're doing that kind of stuff. Um, and so we had you know talked about together. Oh well, one just don't expect it to be favorable is of course the minimal thing to do. Um, And then just other ideas of, okay, making sure you're sending it to multiple journalists, so it's not just depending on one. Maybe you think about how expensive the skis are, maybe it's more of a loaner program. Um, So I continued pondering it and thought of one other approach using our idea of press events that we talked about um, that maybe would work. I don't know, this is what I maybe would do. So uh, this is my pitch that I would send to this pretend journalist. And I was kind of thinking like, okay, again, dollar amount on gifts and PR packages absolutely can be the tipping point between is this ethical and like good or is this like low-key bribing them to write something nice. Um, And I feel like skis could definitely be on the other side of like, ooh, probably too expensive. So then I thought, okay, PR people, like we like planning events, we like getting the press there. Remember, seeing your clients, your products in action kind of automatically creates news. So maybe in this situation, we would create 
like a press event that I could just invite the journalist to instead. So I was kind of thinking about, okay, you know, we love, right? Got to try to relate to them, make sure they know that you read their work before um, in the opening of our pitch. So I kind of came up with that idea and then decided to just invite them to a demo event. You know, it's going to be whatever in their city, maybe in this hypothetical company. We'd be able to do this in a lot of different cities, you know, maybe different ski towns to get those journalists engaged, but really emphasizing, okay, my goal in PR at this press event would be letting them actually try on and touch and interact with the skis without actually, you know, giving them a pair, but giving them the opportunity to like see how they feel, see how they look, um, saying, hey, you can even bring your own photographers in if that's something that they're interested in, encourage them to bring their, their video camera crew, um, and then make, making sure to mention, we also invited these athletes who actually have used the skis. You could interview them, you could talk to them, like really frame it as, we are excited about this product, we're presenting the opportunity for you to get whatever materials you want, you need, just come and have fun, right? And then, Going back even to our idea of media kits and recognizing, you know, sometimes people aren't going to be able to make it to your events. Thought, oh, maybe I should also attach a media kit, have our favorite features, here's some photos since you can't come take your own if you can't make it. And then I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool? In my, you know, again, hypothetical, perfect PR world. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool if we could link this GoPro footage of like our testing facility center, but we wouldn't want that being leaked. So making sure to let them know that the footage is embargoed. They are welcome to watch it. We want them to see it, but they cannot publish it because it is our, our content. Um, but I thought like, I don't know, that could be a really cool way to just give them the experience of the skis so they could write a nuanced and informed article. Hopefully positive, but maybe they'd be like, I hate this, who knows? And then of course, reach out any questions. That was my like shower thought as I was still pondering this example of like, oh, that'd be so sweet. I think that'd be really cool. With that kind of example in mind, I don't know, any other, have you continued pondering this scenario for yourselves or even now, like any other ways you maybe handle this type, perhaps using one of our other PR techniques? Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely, thank you so much for sharing that one. Love real world examples to talk through. That's always the best. Um, and I appreciate a few things that you mentioned that we do wanna talk about for sure. So one, right, you said uh, ex expense, right? The difference between appropriate, inappropriate, often comes down to that dollar amount. And so, yeah, we see, you know, PR kits always are sending out kind of small, almost like gimmicky things, you know, a deck of cards that has the promo laced in, boxes of, you know, food, chocolate, like kind of parallel stuff. Definitely we do that a lot just to kind of garner that positive relationship. Um, but yeah, I think loaning things out definitely is a great way to kind of get around the, pr the core problem of this scenario that PRSA is saying. It's like, you can't just give people expensive stuff, especially journalists. Um, and so yeah, I really like that idea of like, hey, here is the set of skis. We have a loaner program. We'd love for you to take them for a month. Go up to the ski resort, you know, and then return them right, just right about your experience, right? Again, not saying, oh, favorable. Hey, write this really positive thing about this set of golf clubs. No, it's, hey, have a round on us. Maybe you want to use these in the loan. Um, yeah, I think that could be like all really, really great ways and also more cost effective for our clients. Like, I was also thinking about this example, like, oh my gosh, how much money is this like hypothetical ski company spending if they're just giving out these expensive like skis all the time? So I really like that idea of the loaner program. The last thing that is probably important to, and maybe a distinction, you mentioned your boss is like on staff with Callaway or like kind of like, is it ambassador, like works yeah, so for them? Right. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that take on it, and I think you're pulling some good parallel things. Um, I think from our industry standards, we probably would draw a little bit more distinction between sort of sales rep and that role compared to like the journalist role, mainly just because in journalism, you know, we're kind of hyper like above board about things. Uh, but yeah, I think like skill set wise, idea wise. Um, so similar and you can definitely draw on like a lot of that knowledge and experiences going into your field. I really like that. And yeah, you're right, it is kind of like, we got to build this relationship with these sales reps who are, again, the distinction between actual sales rep for your brand, you know, they get to do whatever, and somebody who is in a position of sales at more of a general like sporting goods store. And it's like, how do we promote our products kind of give them the opportunity to experience our products, build a good relationship so maybe they're more inclined to highlight our products. Um, definitely gets into some like ethical quandaries. But I think you've posed some really good ideas to kind of get around that between loaning it out, just making sure you have a positive relationship. Sending them even little press kits with like, hey, here's some of our latest feature highlights, talking points, clearing the path, all are really good ideas. That's really cool, thank you.
Any other ideas come to mind in this discussion? It's a good thing to always ponder. You see these examples all over the place out in your life, how when you're at the store, right, if you get approached by a salesperson, maybe you can put your PR brain on and be like, hmm, I wonder what they received to get this. But it's always a good exercise. So that was my thoughts. Oh, I guess I did create a Slido, but that's okay. We don't have to go through it. All right, yay. Uh, so we're gonna do basically just activities of discussing different scenarios um, that have, have happened, real life campaign scenarios. So as you are watching these, be thinking about, I'll give you like kind of this little prompt. So this first one is about the United Airlines. You may remember when they like dragged a customer like down the aisle out of his seats. Uh, the video was uploaded to social media, went very viral, of course, a very big PR situation. Um, and so as you're watching, it's just like a little clip kind of reminding of the context. Um, as well as what the CEO's like statement was. And so specifically, I want you to get into your PR mindset to think about how you would like rewrite the CEO's statement. Like if you were doing the corporate communication and the PR for United Airlines during this time, like what, what would be the aspects of the, the statement you would promote? So after we watch this, um, there'll be a Slido so you can like type it in and fill it out, but that's what you should be thinking about for while we watch them. Cool? Cool. Let me pause. All right, so the full statement that got everybody upset. This is an upsetting event to all of us here at United. I apologize for having to reaccommodate these customers. Our team is moving with a sense of urgency to work with the authorities and conduct our own detailed review of what happened. We're also reaching out to this passenger to talk directly, further address and resolve the situation. Right, this apology or like, not the apology, this response did not go over well, right? The video, especially people were like, reaccommodate, like what, what is this language? So, take a moment, kind of take it in. On the Slido, on the next screen, I just want you to basically, what would your statement be? Rewrite kind of this statement for the CEO, or at least have kind of the key message bullet points and how you would have responded um, and hopefully avoided, right, a PR crisis. So let's do that. Cool. Perfect. So, of course, this is a crisis, kind of a scandal. We always want to remember, acknowledge, move, redirect as just a nice core foundation for how to address these things. So let's see. Acknowledge. Apologize for the inappropriate behavior. One thing you might want to ponder with this, like when we put things in statements of like, of the flight attendants, we do risk, right, some backlash of people saying, ah, now this company is just blaming these poor flight attendants trying to do their job, enacting the policy, you know, you went through. So you just want to kind of, especially if it's coming from like the CEO's mouth, there definitely is just a risk and maybe a tendency, right, for some people to point out like, well, now you're just blaming, you know, your employees, like, meh. So one thing you might want to ponder, instead of like saying specifically, oh, it was the flight attendant's fault, it was the pilot, it was the facilities, it was this and that, instead you say, our fault, right? Our behaviors kind of wrap it more into the company and the brand, um, because I could, I could see a segment, especially the internet being like, stand up for the poor employees, right? 
Uh, but like that explain doesn't represent the core values, right? We want to reinforce those core values. And then you might further redirect on what the values are. As PR people, we would know. I don't know what United's core values are off the top of my head either. But we'd want to reinforce it and then back it up with like, here is something specific that we're doing to address maybe the number one core value. But nice. Some good things, definitely apologizing uh, is an excellent start, which they didn't really do in this statement very well. Um, yeah, same. We don't want to blame the individual employee so much. I think that will create some more backlash. But exactly the, the idea, right? The actions, you know, of our staff, of our policies, the actions that occurred could be an uh, opportunity, right? When we talk about active and passive language, almost always as strong writers, we want to be in like an active voice. We're like naming exactly the subject. Sometimes though, especially a crisis situation, it can be more strategic to go a little more passive voice so that way nobody can attach blame directly to a, a specific person. Instead, it's, you know, just like the actions were inappropriate. Well, there's not an actor. You might get called out a little bit, but probably not as much as, you know, calling out a, a specific, like, individual. Um, right, handling it higher up apologize to those affected definitely a very like um that's how we see a lot of apologies i think it's a solid way it's more of like for, for me a personal note even though this is very much the formula used i just kind of always am like apologizing to those like affected feels kind of like one of those i'm sorry if i'm sorry if it hurt like, eh, maybe we could own it a little bit more. But that's my personal kind of brand of PR. You would figure that out for your client. This definitely fits the mold, would be expected, absolutely would work. Um, but just something to think about, right? Is it a real apology if we don't actually name what we did and who we harmed? I don't know, maybe. Um, cool. Here at United, we apologize for the actions. Oh, see? That's a really good example, this one, of kind of that more passive voice where it's like, okay, the company is owning it. We recognize actions were taken, but we're not explicitly kind of throwing the flight attendants under the bus. So I think that is a good example of how that sentence could be structured. Um, they're not tolerated. Love that. Again, very standard. Expected this definitely to get the job done. So it's like, I don't know, are we apologizing if you don't really know? Like, you do know who was affected, right? The person that you beat up and dragged off the plane, right? Um, working, you know, with the person, love that, build some empathy, make an amends, make sure it's safe. And then we kind of redirect, right? You are our priority. We're going to move forward. We want you to have a good experience. I think that's a very lovely statement. Good job, whoever did that one. Uh, okay, here's mine. So again, thinking about acknowledge, move, redirect. This is how I kind of thought about it. Um, off the top of my, my brain, watching alongside you. So acknowledge, we lacked empathy and grace when removing a passenger from the flight. Again, for me, I just always like to be very like direct. I did this. We effed up. Here's exactly how. Um, and kind of specifically what we did. Because one thing, right, it is United's policy, like, to remove passengers like anytime you buy a plane ticket it is in the like right the 
the Terms of Service Agreements, or TSAs, that they can totally take your seat away. I don't see that changing. And so we also want to make sure, right, as our PR people, that we're not suddenly putting our like legal team in some weird position. Um, and so to me, it was more about what we did wrong was not removing the person, because we get to do that, but more maybe how we remove the person. So we always want to kind of think how we're interacting with our like policies as well. So anyway, we did it in a bad job. Then the moving, right, moving on from acknowledging, how do we get people to start going in the next direction? Okay, preventable, we're gonna do this internal review. A lot of people are very wary anytime an organization just says we're doing it internally. Folks are like, okay, well, what does that mean? So maybe, you know, we can also bring in some external consultation. You don't have to tell them exactly who or what necessarily, um, but they know it's happening. And then I decided, okay, let's redirect, similar to what they already had said. We're contacting the passenger directly. We're gonna address the harm we caused, again, to that passenger. And then, yes, thank you for being our customers. We look forward to doing better. When, and again, I kind of took the approach of, this will happen again. They will need you to leave your seat again. Like, that's just part of airline life, I guess. And so I kind of wanted to focus on and set ourselves up for the next time people can't come back and say like, oh, you said it wasn't going to happen again. And you said that it was going to be like different. It's like, well, no, we're just not going to, you know, physically assault the person next time, right? So that was just kind of my take on it. Um, but all these are going in a good direction. Just some, again, things for you to ponder. How are you going to balance the legal side of, it, of what your company, your brand needs to achieve, the ethical side, what are some of the potential backlash and commentary that people will get? So like when we talked about media training, when we write statements as well, we always wanna be thinking like, oh, what are all the like possible responses of all the possible backlash? Cause you're just, someone's always gonna be mad no matter what you say. Our job is try to get that number as small as we can. You know, what is an acceptable kind of backlash or response? Yeah? Yeah! Love it. Yes. Uh, they needed the seats for uh, crew members that had to get to that city. Yeah. Which again, they can totally take your seats away on like pretty much any flight. No. Yeah, which, yep, yeah, oh, that statement could be like very, very different. Um, but yeah, no, this was back at 2017, I think it was. And yeah, they just needed the seats for crew members and asked him to leave. And he was like, no, I think they like pick often at random. They do like a, a random lottery poll. I don't know the ins and outs, but I just know your seat is not guaranteed. So they should give you a big refund and a healthy voucher. And the, you can also ask for all sorts of other compensation while you wait for your next flight. But be aware, sucks. Cool, all right, so now this one is focusing on the Toyota recall situation. This time I want us to go even more specifically into how they might acknowledge, move, redirect, because they did a very bad job of it. So as you're just watching the little kind of clip, refreshing your knowledge on the situation, um, you'll be responding with your kind of thoughts, ideas on how acknowledge, move, redirect to help Toyota uh, deal with it. Uh, 
with that, their biggest issue, Toyota, they're like, ugh, we messed up, but we're just not really gonna deal with it at all, and they basically didn't respond. Um, so clearly they didn't use the principle. So again, think, okay, you're on the crisis response team for Toyota, what, are, what ideas do you have in terms of acknowledge, move, redirect that Toyota could have done in response to their big recall and very dangerous crisis? Uh, which again, some of that context, gas pedals were sticking to the floor and then causing people to, you know, drive their cars into objects and have a lot of collisions and crashes and a big safety issue. Okay, let's see what we have. Toyota understands the dangers. Yes, the come of the stuck accelerator. I love that, right? Acknowledge, you're just being very direct. It is dangerous. This is what happened. And we start moving. We're gonna fix these issues. I like it. I, I like it for me anyway. Um, we apologize to the customers whose trust we betrayed. I like that. This apology doesn't have any like, if you were, you know, betrayed by us. Like, no, they're just being direct. We betrayed your trust. You think that we are, you know, a safe, reliable vehicle. We failed in that. I appreciate that. I think people would appreciate that. Uh, the team is working to streamline the recall, fix the issues as soon as possible, right? Redirecting, recalls in place, we're gonna get it through. Concise, it's not overdone, to the point. I think it hits the formula quite well, and this formula could be adapted into a longer statement, into an interview, right, like the CEO, into social media posts. Good formula, love it. All right, acknowledge, yes. Cars that are faulty, and it is a safety issue. Boom, again, direct, this is, this is what happened. Um, you know, kind of depending, by this time, right, uh, most news, outlets have probably already picked up. A lot of people are probably aware of what the recall issue is. So I do think you can, you know, kind of make that call skirt the line of, do we need to explicitly say it's because of the gas pedal? Is it enough to say if it's faulty? Uh, depends, I guess, on where you're putting your statement out and kind of what you and your team feel comfortable with. But the core is you acknowledge something is wrong. It is dangerous. We got to fix it. Move. Yes. You know, apologize for the harm, exactly. There's these accidents, it's terrible. Let's keep moving on, moving on past sort of the, the problem and the crisis at hand. Redirect, car safety is important to Toyota, right? They've won all sorts of awards and stuff, so that's great. You wanna get it back and repay customers. So I feel like the core redirect of this statement is kind of back into community trust. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense and is a good thing, right? We wanna redirect them back to like, remember that we are an incredibly safe brand. We want to get your trust back. This was just a weird fluke. Definitely could be a good redirection of the conversation. Yay, let's go this one. Yep, again, safety issues, take responsibility, be direct, it was dangerous, people know it's dangerous, people know it's your fault, so don't skate around that issue, love that. Uh, exactly, move is, a, is the place where you wanna start getting them past, here's the bad thing that happened, let's get you prepared to think about something else, so I think, yep, what are you gonna do to fix it, love that, and yeah, again, here's our, our typical standards, here's all the awards we've won, Here's why we know we are the leaders in performance. Let's get you talking about those positive things again. 
love that. I basically did the same thing the three of you did as well. So I thought, okay, acknowledge, we got this default. I took it even a step further and say, here's how many recalls that we have out on vehicles, gonna flood them with some numbers. That could go either way. Could be a good thing. Also could open us up to like, oh my gosh, that many cars, ah. So, you know, I might workshop that a little bit, but that was one idea that I had you know, get some stats, numbers, really show that we know exactly the situation was kind of my idea with it. Um, I also talked about how they didn't use enough channels of communication to actually connect quite with these wonderful, loyal Toyota people who needed to return their vehicles, because that was kind of one of the, the key things of the situation. It's not just the recall, it's that, like, Nobody really knew that they were supposed to return their vehicle until they like crashed into you know a stop sign or whatever. Um, so I kind of focused more on that aspect of it as well. Moving, okay, how can we get them past the bad situation? Get them ready for the redirect. Enlisting um, like consultants, engineers, get people's trust that like, yeah, we're on it. We're going to get the best people to help us fix it. Usually a pretty good strategy, I think. Um, adjust testing protocols as well. And then again, bringing it back to making sure you as a Toyota buyer have access to that information. That's where we're gonna build the trust back up. And then redirecting, pretty similar to what all you did, right? Thank you for believing in us. We are gonna do these changes. Remember, we are the expectation of excellence. That was my take on it again. This is just what I thought of. Doesn't make it more right than what you thought of, just it may be a different take, different questions, different nuances. That's kind of the name of the PR game, I think, in a lot of different vehicles, avenues. Love that, oh, perfect. All right, so this last one is from the BP oil spill, quite a few years ago, you may recall. Um, and the thing I want you to pay attention to and be starting to think of as you like overviews what happened, uh, is the importance of media training. So we're gonna see in this clip, the CEO, right, they grabbed a sound bite that is very much not the sound bite we would want. And so this is where our media training, when we're helping these people, this is why it's important to try to give them some sound bite ideas, help them practice, so that way we don't end up with the clip that we actually get from it. So that last piece about I just want my life back ended up really being the sound bite that took over. So just kind of brainstorm. To me, sound bites are like the hardest. I'm still like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna have to ponder alongside you, but just kind of come up with some other ideas. Like what are other phrases or sound bites here you could have helped pitch and like trained this executive on? Um, so hopefully he wouldn't have said, I want my life back. It can be in a totally different direction, or you know, what is a better better way to kind of end that phrase? Right? You get started with uh, nobody wants this over more than us, which is not great in itself. Maybe you could have ended that differently. So, take a minute. I think these are hard, um, and let's just see what we come up with. Yeah, let's see what what you got. I'm excited to see. All right. It has affected myself, the company, and the community. I want to clean it up as quickly as possible so we can feel safe and comfortable in our everyday lives again. I think that hits on some key talking points that I am sure the BP team absolutely wanted to move forward with. Love it. 
the tricky and why I think sound bites are so hard is because right, the nature of the sound bite, they are going to hang on to like, like five to maybe nine words that you say. Right? Sound bites end up being very snit, like so that's why people are like, oh, I want my life back. Right? That's one, two, three, five words. So this is a really great like start of a statement. It's going to be very hard to kind of figure out which aspect people might like latch on to. Um, you know, I think maybe something about this end, I could see people like, we would maybe want them to latch on to how you want to feel safe and comfortable in our everyday lives again. I think that probably the media and folks are going to latch on to your first part as the soundbite instead, which is it good, is it not, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people, again, thinking about the, the Twitter sphere, might really latch on to, ugh, yeah, we know it's affected you and the company and the community, but people might like pay more, too much attention to like, ah, oh, poor, poor BP oil. You know what I mean? So I love the idea. I love where you're going. This is why sound bites are so hard, though, because it's like, oh, what words are people going to probably pick up and then take out of context and then meme? So that's hard, hard thing to think about. But I like where you were headed in that. We've all been affected by the spill, but trust that we are working hard to find a solution to the problem our team caused. Nice, I like that. I uh, don't immediately see exactly like what the backlash would be by that, and I could definitely see it being printed again. It's a little long for a sound bite, and so it's like they might, you know, clip out a smaller section. Um, but I could even see like when you work with your social media team, you know, a nice little like Instagram post that's like a quote with like your team working in the background and maybe over it we say, we are working hard to find a solution to the problem we caused. Boom, you could print that with your marketing team in like magazines, it could be like a commercial, you put it on Instagram. I think there's a lot of good things you could like work into that. Cool, I like the idea. We are doing our best to handle such an unfortunate situation. Personally, I've put in a lot of hours to get the job done. Nice, nice, different take. Again, you could do almost a similar approach, have some actual video photo of said, all the hours this guy is putting in um, to get that done. I do think there's a little bit of potential with this soundbite for it to be memed in like a kind of a negative way of like, again, C-suite people talking about putting in hours, probably, potentially, might rub some people the wrong way, being like, oh, really? You're putting in hours, like at your desk type of situation? Uh, but, and that might be a, a small enough risk, but it could be out there just to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation. We're trying our best. I, I don't know, these are so hard. I have a hard time coming up with them. So I just came up with, you know, I want this cleaned up too. Didn't really love it, but I do think it's better than I want my life back or the gulf deserves and will get better from us. You know, it's kind of thinking what would be a quippy thing that could be like a social media post printed on like a billboard or something that still takes ownership. That is what I came up with. I think these are all like great ideas that I could totally see being pitched and you know, ran with, tweaked, so excellent job. Like, these are hard, and, and keep in mind all these activities, right? This is like your first round. You're like in the meeting, your little crisis huddle, 
I'm like, okay, we got to start like brainstorming some ideas. And if this is the level of stuff that you're bringing in that very first like brainstorm, I think that is like bodes very, very well. And what would then be right, refined, revised, workshopped, maybe even focus grouped, and then sent out to the public. And so as basically on the spot first drafts, I'm really, I, I hope you feel proud of the ideas that you're coming up with because I think they have a lot of really awesome potential. Yay! Um, okay, so I had like a couple others, but I think we'll just like, you know, punt them over to next week um, because I think that this is fun. I don't know. Um, okay, so other things. Next week, what we are going to be talking about uh linkedin and portfolios and i actually on monday have a like special access webinar that i got um it's only available until april 21st so i think we'll like well, i don't know the three of you who are here you get to kind of decide would you rather i just give you the link to the webinar to watch on your own time or would you like to watch it together in class pause discuss uh, give me a, just give me a, a raise your hand if you prefer to watch it in class. One, two, three. Can you have class, by the way? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so Monday we will watch that webinar together. It's about uh, pitches and like subject lines um, and like some pitch research from a, a PR consultant kind of guy. Um, so I think that'll be cool. And again, we'll pause, we'll talk. We'll brainstorm what were the good action items. That means then on Wednesday, we will talk about LinkedIn and go through some like different PR people's LinkedIn portfolios and just, you know, kind of talk about how you might set that up. Uh, and then that means on Friday, we will talk about like your final project portfolios, maybe look at some again, PR website portfolios to give you a good idea. Um, also next week, I will open the practice final exam um, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday when it opens. We're in the final stretch. Yeah, you got this. It's exciting. We made it. I'm proud of you. All right. Have a fantastic weekend and I'll see you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.